Wow, what a shift show that was. All right, the president is speaking about Roger Stone and his sentence, which, by the way, this if ever there's been a case that screams out an injustice, a double standard in our justice system, a dual justice system, no equal application of our laws, uh, no equal justice under the law, and the need for a new trial because you got a biased jury Four person that had commented specifically against Stone, we now know, before the uh, the trial? Wow, it's this one. Here's what the president's saying. Uh, we did something that they've been trying to do for a long time, and we got it done. We get a lot of things done. We a lot of things done. Now, you see a lot of uh, press back there. So before we go any further, I want to address today's sentencing of a man, Roger Stone, Roger Stone. He's become a big part of the news over the last little while. And I'm following this very closely, and I want to see it play out to its fullest, because Roger has a very good chance of exoneration, in my opinion. I've known, and you people understand it probably better than anybody in the room. I've known Roger Stone and his wife, who's really a terrific woman, for a long time, and Roger's definitely a character. Everybody sort of knows Roger. Everybody knows him, and most people like him. Some people probably don't, but I do, and I always have. Uh, He's a smart guy. He's a little different, but those are sometimes the most interesting. But he's a good person. His family is fantastic. He's got a fantastic family. And there's always a reason for that, isn't there? Roger was never involved in the Trump campaign for president. He wasn't involved. I think early on, long before I announced, he may have done a little consulting work or something, but he was not involved when I ran for president. And he's a person who, again, he knows a lot of people having to do with politics. His whole life is politics. That's what he is. And it's my strong opinion that the forewoman of the jury the woman who was in charge of the jury is totally tainted. When you take a look, how can you have a person like this? She was a anti-Trump activist. Can you imagine this? <laughs> now, you wouldn't know about a bad jury. Anybody here know about bad? No? These people know more about bad juries than everybody here, including the sheriff and the mayor and everybody. <laughs> They know about bad juries. We're not going to say it too much. So let's not say it in front of more cameras than this. But you're my experts, okay? No, but this is a woman who was an anti-Trump person, totally. Now, I don't know if this is a fact, but she had a horrible social media account. The things she said on the account were unbelievable. She didn't reveal that when she was chosen. And she's, I guess, from what I hear, a very strong woman, a very dominant person. So she can get people to do whatever she wants. And she got on, then she became the four-person, four-woman on the jury. And I assume they asked her a question. Do you have any bias? Do you have any? She didn't say that. So is that a defrauding of the court? You tell me. But does this undermine our fair system of justice? How can you have a person like this? Did she delete her social account? And when Roger was determined by the same jury to be guilty, 
before the judge issued a sentence, and he was determined to be guilty. And she started going a little wild. She's very happy. And she started saying things that people said, that's strange. That's strange. And then they started looking at, now how can you have a jury pool tainted so badly? It's not fair. It's not fair. And you know, it's not happening to a lot of other people. Because you could look, I won't name names, but everybody knows who I'm talking about. What's happening over there? Nobody. Nobody. There are people that are, even in Roger Stone's basic business of politics, that were going to be in big trouble. Well-known people, the biggest people, big trouble. They were forced to leave their firm. One man was forced to leave his firm, and he was going to, bad things were going to happen to him the following day. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. He was the biggest. Nothing happened. But it happened to Roger Stone, and it happened to General Flynn, and it happened to, I won't name names, it happened to a lot of people, <laughs> and destroyed a lot of people's lives. And I'm here to make a fair system. Again, Rogers is, is not somebody who worked in my campaign. I know Roger, but a lot of people know Roger. Everybody sort of knows Roger. And what happened to him is unbelievable. They say he lied. But other people lied, too. Just to mention, Comey lied. McCabe lied. Lisa Page lied. Her lover, Struck, Peter Struck, lied. You don't know who these people are? Just trust me, they all lied. <laughs> you had people that forged documents. You had people that wrote fake dossiers and brought them to the FBI and used people in the Justice Department to get them to the FBI. And these people know in the front row, you know better than anybody in this room what the hell I'm talking about, probably. <laughs> so I'm only responding to you. I'm not even talking to the folks over here. But they get it better than anybody, too. A lot of bad things are happening, and we're cleaning it out. We're cleaning the swamp. We're draining the swamp. I just never knew how deep the swamp was. So if this woman was tainted, I hope the judge will find that she was tainted. And if she isn't tainted, that will be fine, too. But I'm not going to do anything in terms of the great powers bestowed upon a president of the United States. I want the process to play out. I think that's the best thing to do, because I'd love to see Roger exonerated, and I'd love to see it happen, because I personally think he was treated very unfairly. They talk about witness, witness tampering. But the man that he was tampering didn't seem to have much of a problem with it. He think they know each other for years. And it's not like the tampering that I see on television when you watch a movie. That's called tampering with guns to people's heads and lots of other things. So we're going to see what it is. Maybe there was tampering and maybe there wasn't. But I can tell you that there was tremendous lying, really lying and leaking classified documents that you don't know about. 
but they leaked classified documents. You know, there was a young sailor who took pictures of an old submarine and sent them to his Christian mother and a Christian Saucier. And they destroyed his life. I let him out. They were considered classified. Now, Russia and China, I guarantee you, have the pictures of this submarine for a long time. The submarine was like 30 years old. They had them in the uh, first year. They didn't have to wait for the 30th year. But this is a famous story. And Let they me had... jump in here and, and add to what the president now... Uh, remember the counts, these are all process crimes as he's talking about Stone. All right, false statements, witness tampering. The witness... In pretty unprecedented moves, said, ah, that's Roger being Roger. He's, you know, uh, please don't put him to jail because I said he, he called me. You know, and the president, right. I mean, think about it. Here's USA Today. James Clapper lied to Congress. The Guardian, CIA Director John Brennan, uh, talk about lied to the Senate. We have the New York Post. Loretta Lynch lied to Congress. James Comey, Washington Examiner. They say lied to Congress. Uh, Town Hall, also Loretta Lynch, Comey again. Uh, Investors uh, Daily, Eric Holder lied to Congress. Lois Lerner, Washington Times, Lo- Lois Lerner lied to Congress. U.S. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew, Obama lied to Congress about the Iranian deal. Washington Times, Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe lied to Congress and investigators. Well, the IG report said four specific instances of lying, three under oath. Clinton aide uh, Cheryl Mills lied to DOJ officials. Washington Examiner. Daily Caller. Clinton aide Huma Abedin lied. What about the dirty dossier? It was all a lie. Became the basis of an unverifiable dossier of, of taking away the civil liberties of an American and the, and the constitutional rights of Carter Page to spy on a opposition party candidate, then candidate Trump, and his transition team, and then deep into his presidency, all based on illegal spying, all based on what says at the top of a FISA application. It says verified. So process crap for four year, 40 months. Now, what the president was referring to is and, and the president's exactly right about the jury four person in this case. And how we don't have a mistrial here and a new trial. If ever they're cried out of a lack of justice, this is it. And defense attorneys for Stone are demanding a new trial based on the new information that has come out. Uh, and that has to do with the four person. Person's name is now out in the public domain. Tamika Hart, former president of Memphis City School Board Commissioners, unsuccessful Democratic candidate for Congress. She identified herself as the forewoman of the jury in this stone case. Pains me to see the DOJ now interfere. Why? Because they wanted nine years in jail for Roger Stone and and five lies? Six? You got to be kidding me. But yet now we know and she has cleaned out her social media accounts because she had posted specifically about Stone's case before she was selected to sit on the jury. Why would this why would the judge in this case ever allow this to to not be thrown out immediately? Retweeting arguments, mocking those who considered Stone's dramatic arrest for lying. They had 29 guys in tactical gear, frogmen in his backyard. When all they had to do is say, come on in regular time. We'll uh, process you at eight o'clock. Bring tell the lawyer. 
CNN cameras are there. Same thing with Paul Manafort. Pre-dawn raids, federal tactical team, 29 people armed to the hilt. Turns out that this woman had retweeted a post noting that Stone was, has y'all talking about the reviewing of, of force guidelines before suggesting racism was the reason for all the attention of Stone's arrest that received from conservatives. Unsuccessful candidate for Congress tweeting, you know, quoting at someone in August of 27, a tweet referring to Trump as a member of the KKK, calling all Trump supporters racist in August of 2019. Writing in response to a news report that vulgarity had been projected onto the Trump International Hotel in D.C. Oh, yeah. This is a tainted jury. And the double standard screams at us as a country. This case is if there ever has been a case that cries out for a new trial, this is it. President speaking out about it because he should. Do we want that system of justice, dual system of justice? I've been warning about this. By the way, Greg Jarrett has a really good point on all of this, and that is that when uh, the Attorney General Barr pointed out asking for nine years for, you know, lying, it was ridiculous and excessive. Well, even what's a pretty liberal judge, Amy Berman Jackson, agreeing with Barr's assessment. So all these idiot prosecutors, you know, writing, oh, the attorney general must resign. No, the attorney general, uh, that's called doing his job. And all credit to him. We have a Sixth Amendment to our Constitution. It guarantees an impartial jury, or so we expect. And when the jury foreperson, now exposed as having spoken out and being prejudiced about this case itself, it screams injustice in this country. We better get to the bottom of it. I, you know, I had a totally different show. I didn't expect it. Just ironically, the president is speaking before, I guess, uh, I guess prison reform or something group in out in Vegas, I guess. Um, we I tell you, last night was I pure gold. I never saw a bigger shift show. And we've got all the highlights. I got to get to all of it here. Uh, we have other news. This is fascinating. And we'll play some of the highlights of last night. Bloomberg just a disaster, the, as a, just an unmitigated collapse. And with all the debate time, oh, my God. I mean, did anyone know what they were doing? At all? Did they not anticipate any of this? And good news for the president today, Gallup. President's now 49-48, the first time he's been above water with Gallup uh, since he was sworn in. By the way, eight years ago, this same date, Obama's job approval rating 45-48. Uh, that is really incredible. You got more democratic chaos, debate fiasco, more montages we're going to get to. Uh, unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable set of circumstances last night that you can't even begin to describe. But I'll hit it next, I promise, and all the other news of the day. And David Schoen was in the courtroom today as well. He'll join us. All right, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program. What a shift show last night. You want to talk about uh, Farmer Mike. Wow, what an epic fail. I mean, uh, I think one of the more spectacular revelations came at the end of the debate last night. Well, if one person doesn't have the enough delegates based on the rules, 
uh, based on the voting, should it be an open, you know, floor convention? In, in other words, a real, real shift show. And the answer, oh, of course. No, why let the people decide? Why wouldn't it be the majority of people? You want to talk? This is how statists work. This is how bureaucrats work. They're now aligning all of them against Bernie Sanders. Now, in fairness, Bernie Sanders didn't support that system in 2016, so this is convenience politically for him, but it's neither here nor there. If you get the most delegates, why don't you win? As they try to bring back the superdelegates. I mean, they're just setting the whole thing up to be a disaster uh, when the convention comes about. And I don't know if Bernie supporters are going to take this lightly this time. It seemed that I was one of the few that kept saying, uh, you can't allow an election to be rigged in America. And I like a sole voice here standing up for Bernie and his supporters. How do you not want the people to decide? I look at Bloomberg and this, I, I am, I, you cannot buy, you know, a, a personality. Because if you could, he'd be the most dynamic person on earth. I mean, with all this money spent in this slick marketing campaign, he got the living crap beat out of him. I mean, it was a brutal beatdown on pretty much everything. I mean, even if you look last night, Bloomberg had to admit today. That the big winner of last night's debate was was Donald Trump. So how was your night last night? (laughs) Look, the real winner in the debate last night was Donald Trump. Because I worry that we may very well be on the way to nominating somebody who cannot win in November. And if we choose a candidate who appeals to a small base like Senator Sanders, it will be a fatal error. We need Democrats and independents and Republicans to win. Okay, uh, yeah, whatever. But he's not going to be the guy. I don't care how much money you spent. I've never seen a debate performance. I mean, mumbling and bumbling and just ill, so ill-prepared. It was almost shocking. How did you not anticipate all of these questions? This was fundamental stuff here that they brought up. And he had no answers to any of it, which was amazing. I mean, every liberal pundit is pounding him. Every other campaign is pounding him. Politico admitting that Bloomberg's debate prep was a monumental failure. That's probably an understatement. You got the liberal Daily Beast. Bloomberg got his ass kicked. You got Van Jones comparing Bloomberg's debate performance to the Titanic. Gloria Borger, what's the big headline? Bloomberg was awful. I'm sorry. Uh, This was the uh, moment that uh, the DNC got criticized for, for letting Bloomberg in this debate. And now I'm wondering why the other candidates were criticizing him, because he wasn't practiced at debating. He's not done this in more than a decade. Listen, uh, this was a disaster uh, for Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg went in as the Titanic, (laughs) billion dollar machine Titanic, Titanic meet iceberg elizabeth warren she <laughs> took him to task in a way that i've never seen in a debate she looked she took it she, she, she took it over she prosecuted him but the worst part about it is for me a lot of african-americans are placing great hope in bloomberg despite the, the stop and frisk and all that sort of stuff you're seeing people trying to move over there and he just wasn't ready he was tone deaf on issue after issue you could see it on his face even when warren even when warren was hitting him he was watching the fist hit his face 
I mean, it was, you just can't even, it's stunning, it's breathtaking. I don't even have the adjectives to use to describe how bad this was. It was funny, Chris Matthews, you know, says it's Bloomberg, it was like a prize fighter who couldn't stop bleeding and didn't have a cut man, which was fascinating. You look at the headlines today, uh, the New York Post, Bloomberg's campaign implodes on stage in this Nevada Democratic debate. Warren torches Bloomberg on Me Too and secret settlements. Uh, CNBC, Bloomberg takes a beating from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. That's their words. Uh, Washington Examiner, Bloomberg in debate, billions of dollars and zero vision. Uh, Mini Mike, Free Beacon, billionaire beatdown. Mini Mike, savaged by Democratic rivals in Nevada. Uh, Bloomberg is now the highest spending presidential candidate of all time. I, I mean, just go on. Let me just play some of the highlights. And I'll tell you the other thing that Bloomberg had. I mean, it was a problem for whatever reason Mitt Romney had. It's like everybody up there on stage hates success. Why is this a hard question to answer about one being successful? Is, if that, is that a bad criteria, a bad thing? In the minds of, I guess, you know, people like every socialist on that stage last night, the idea that you're successful makes you a bad person. No, because I can speak from my own life. It's paying for, you know, everything since I pretty much have been financially independent since I'm 10. I don't think my parents, I didn't, I got no money for anything. I didn't need it. Delivering papers at eight, washing dishes at 12, cook, uh, you know, short order cook, uh, bartender, waiter, busboy, painting contractor, uh, wallpaper hanger, reconstruction, roofing, framing, all of it. That's 20 years of my life. And I, the college I paid for, all out of my own money. Paid for every penny myself. And yet, okay, well, I'm successful now. I'm not ashamed of that. But I can tell you this, whether I was working in a restaurant or working in somebody's house, I never once got hired by a poor person. Never once. And he's like, well, yeah, yeah I give all my money away. And, you know, yeah, I'm successful well, do we want unsuccessful people up there or bureaucrats that have only known, you know, the 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 public dole in terms of their jobs and they have nothing else to offer but their lifelong bureaucrats that that gain and accumulate power by basically legalizing wealth transformation or transferring of wealth um and and stealing legalizing stealing of you know, large portions of people's wealth to create dependency so they gain power with other people's money. That's a lot of what they want to do. We're not even talking about the new Green Deal, Medicare for all, uh, Bloomberg on guns and the environment, radical extreme left wingers here. But I'm watching an implosion like I'd never seen or witnessed before. There's no recovering from this. Now, he's going to stay in. I mean, even former skeptics now are warning of a brokered convention and the only one that wants the people to make the decision is bernie but that's for political expediency that speaks volume about the democratic party i mean i don't think i've ever seen a worse performance in a debate in my life and i don't care how much money he's going to spend prepping for the next debate because there's no answer to a lot of this listen to some of the highlights of his beatdown uh mr bloomberg had policies in new york city of stop and frisk which went after African-American and Latino people in an outrageous way. That is not a way you're going to grow voter turnout. I 
like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. <laughs> Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is, but understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. Uh, you know, I have been told as a woman, as someone that maybe no one thought was still going to be standing up on this stage, but I am because of pure, pure grit and because of the people out there. I've been told many times to wait my turn and to step aside. And I'm not going to do that now. And I'm not going to do that because a campaign memo uh, from Mayor Bloomberg said this morning uh, that the only way uh, that we get a nominee is if we step aside for him. I think we need something different than Donald Trump. I don't think you look at Donald Trump and say we need someone richer in the White House. The mayor says that he has a great record, that he's done these wonderful things. Well, the fact of the, fact, the, fact of the matter is he has not managed his city very, very well when he was there. He didn't get a whole lot done. He had stop and frisk, throwing a close to five million young black men up against the wall. And when we came along in our administration, the President Obama, and said we're going to send in a moderator to uh, a mediator to stop it, he said that's unnecessary. So I, we're going to get a chance to talk about the mayor's record. But in terms of who is best prepared to beat Donald Trump, look at your poll and what it says. Mayor Buttigieg, you'd like to weigh in. Yes, we've got to wake up as a party. We could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. And most Americans don't see where they fit if they've got to choose between a socialist who thinks that capitalism is the root of all evil and a billionaire who thinks that money ought to be the, the root of all power. But they all support this new Green Deal madness, Medicare for all, you know, doubling down on the, the stupidity and false promises of Obamacare. You know, one irony here, the only one on the stage that says uh, Democratic voters and whoever has the most votes and delegates ought to decide who's the nominee. Yeah, well, you got people like Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren and Buttigieg. Well, they want to get rid of the uh, Electoral College. So, I mean, they're so hypocritical. It's, only, it's all convenience for them. It was a it was a shift show of a monumental proportion. Now, entertaining as hell, I'm not going to lie. And Bloomberg embarrassed by stop and frisk. OK, 17 years have passed. 17. He supported it 12 years as mayor. He supported it five years since de Blasio, comrade de Blasio has been in there. Uh, now, he's all, I'm so sorry. It's supported. No, he runs for president. Uh Oh, I need to get African-American voters. So isn't that what we hate? pandering politicians that are just playing a game with all of us that that is the opposite of trump never mind you dig a hole you put a seed in it some dirt on top and and you add water and up comes the corn wow talk about ignorance and being out of touch or you know the thought process behind uh all of all of the stop and frisk policies murderers murder victims fit one mo you take a description, you Xerox it, you pass it out to all cops, all male, minority, 16 to 25. Well, people say, Mayor, you're, you're arresting kids for marijuana and they're all minorities. Well, his answer, yeah, that's true. 
Why? Why is it true? Because we put all the cops in minority neighborhoods, all of them, because that's where all the crime is. You can't even make this up. And and then it's, you know, he's saying I'm embarrassed by stop and frisk. I mean, Warren, I mean, calling, quote, women fat broads and horse face lesbians. Jeez. Bloomberg saying, all right, he's not going to release women from confidentiality agreements. Why didn't he have a better answer prepared for that? Okay, what about it may hurt innocent people? How's that that are associated with this? And that was a deal, legal deal that was struck, and that's it. But just defensive on every point. Warren calls on uh, on Bloomberg to drop out. Take your ego out of this. Ouch. He said that after the debate. Warning that he's going to drop another $100 million to erase America's memory of what happened last night on that debate stage. You know, even had, you know, what does the POTUS call uh, uh, Chuck Todd sleepy eyes? Mayor Bloomberg, should you exist? I mean, you can't make it up. Judge, let's put forward someone who's an actual Democrat. Uh, people of South Bend hate this guy. Uh, I haven't released my taxes, says Bloomberg. I can't go to TurboTax. Bloomberg, I don't think there's any chance that Sanders beats Trump. Wow, Sanders, cheap shot for Bloomberg to call him a communist. <laughs> All happened on stage last night. Sanders, you know, to Bloomberg, the best-known socialist in the country is a millionaire who owns three houses. That was actually his best line of the night. And Bernie Sanders suggesting we only have seven years to stop global warming. And my policy is I'm going to raise taxes, going to have a wealth tax. We're going to confiscate pretty much everything. And if you make over this amount of money, it's illegal. We're going to give us everything you get. And we're going to get rid of oil and gas uh, as well. The lifeblood of the world's economy. It is it is unbelievable. Buddha judge and Klobuchar going at it. I mean, the only one that came alive a little bit was, oh, he's collapsing. This might be good. Was Joe Biden. He seemed to get animated for a few minutes in the thing. But it's the Titanic meeting the iceberg. I mean, that's what the media is calling this. You know, uh, over there at, at MSDNC, you know, they tore the skin off of him. Uh, Van Jones, billion dollar machine, Titanic, Gloria Borger, Bloomberg's best moments were probably when he was quiet. Candidates savaged each other like boxers fighting at the Roman Coliseum. These are liberals commenting about their candidates, you know, instead of laughing at Bloomberg over at fake news, CNN, only having one positive debate moment and uh, MSDNC. Well, they're not attacking Bernie. Great night for Donald Trump. Everyone concludes a great night for Trump. And then Trump's numbers come out from Gallup. Yeah, 49-48. First time he's above water since he was sworn in. Uh, then confidence that the country's headed in the right direction has now doubled since Trump became president. Those are going to be hard numbers to beat. Uh, watching the, the, the veteran being, oh man, that was a, what a moment that was, being carried to a seat last night. As Democrats are ripping each other apart, the president is solving problems. Oh, and then he also signs a bill uh, that will develop and deliver water to farmers in the Central Valley. It's a story we covered, you know, 10 years ago. Thank God, finally, we're going to help the farmers out. Wouldn't give them water to protect a little minnow fish called the Delta smelt. Senator Warren, you've been critical of Mayor Bloomberg on this issue. Yes, I have. And I hope you heard what his defense was. I've been nice to some women. (laughs) 
has to stand on his record. And what we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. Uh, how many is Let me that? finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's a be agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. They signed those agreements, so, and we'll live with it. So wait, Good. when you say it is up to, I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And and when you and when you say they signed them and they wanted them if they wish now to speak out and tell their side of the story about what it is they allege that's now okay with you you're releasing them on television tonight Senator no. is that right Senator, the company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's no. interest. They signed the agreements, and that's what we're going to live I, with. I'm sorry. No, the question is, are I the women bound by being muzzled by you? And you could release them from that immediately. Because understand, this is not just a question of the mayor's character. This is also a question about electability. We are not going to beat Donald Trump with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories of women saying they have been harassed okay. and discriminated against. That's not what we do as Democrats. Let's get something straight here. It's easy. All the mayor has to do is say you are released from the non-disclosure agreement. Period. <laughs> Talk about we talk about transparency here. This guy got himself in trouble and maybe begins saying that he would there is a non he couldn't disclose what he did. He went to his to, company. Just to be super clear, that was about the list of clients. No, so no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no
and he didn't have a cut man in the corner. Some even suggesting, I don't agree with this analysis, that Warren ended Bloomberg's campaign. I don't think so, because he has money. He's just going to try and buy his way through the entire process. You know, New York Post, Bloomberg campaign implodes on stage uh, in this debate. Warren tortures uh, uh, Bloomberg on uh, issues. Michael Bloomberg takes a beating from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren at debate. Uh, Bloomberg in debate, Washington Examiner, billions of dollars, zero vision, billionaire beatdown, mini Mike Savage by Democratic rivals in Nevada. That was the free beacon. Bloomberg now the highest spending presidential candidate of all time, which brings me to our next guest. Mark uh, Simone is with us, the host of his morning show on our New York affiliate, WOR, and Jeffrey Lord, the author, author of Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Uh, Mark happens to know Michael Bloomberg extremely well. Uh, I think we got a pretty good indication of the of the person. He has no personality, clearly not prepared for prime time, embarrassed at this debate. And the fact that he had all the time to, in the world to prepare for this thing is is mind-numbing to me. Well, Dan Quayle was a friend of mine, and he's no Dan Quayle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think not By only the way, he... you're aging all of us, because those in this audience that don't know what the hell you're talking about, uh, that's really bad for us. Well, I could have said Admiral Stockdale, but um, <laughs> I think exactly. now— not Why only, am I here? Not only did he wipe out the campaign, I think he hurt his business here. Who would buy a terminal from this guy after this? This was the, you know, all this talk that he's the one that can stand up to Trump. He got pounded into the ground by Elizabeth Warren. Forget Donald Trump. If it was, uh, he, made, he made Tom Steyer look like Reagan. Bring back Tom Steyer. He was better. Wow. It, Steyer's got uh, 16 points in the poll in South Carolina. That fascinated me a little bit, uh, Mark. And I don't think he can run these commercials again. The problem was, the, you know, these commercials... With the, you know, he rented a dog. He, uh, you know, posed with a family. He had some borrowed clothes he wore to look like Bob Vila. Uh, you know, the difference between these Hallmark card commercials and this bumbling, stammering klutz was like night and day. I, it, you can't run these commercials again because people saw the real him. They won't work anymore. And this is where we've been, Jeffrey Lord. It's been a slick, expensive, at least $417 million to date uh, marketing campaign. And yet he does no interviews. He does a disastrous first debate, and he's planning on coming in, and, and I guess because I thought he brought Joe Biden back to life last night. You, you know, it is astonishing. I mean, just two simple points that he should have had ready to go when Elizabeth Warren launched on him was the whole Pocahontas, Pocahontas routine. He should have gone after her for, for, for moment one for how she got her jobs at Harvard and using minorities and claiming to be a Native American, all of that kind of thing. And then when Joe Biden said what he said in that clip that you just played, what Joe Biden, what is Joe Biden saying to him? He's saying, Mike, you really need to have had a quid pro quo with these women. And Biden should have, or Bloomberg should have jumped on him and, and gone the hunter route. Instead, he more or less just stood there and took it and looked like an idiot. Yeah, he... Unbelievable. So what is the fallout from this? We're 257 days until Election Day, Mark Simone. Where do you see this going? Is this now Bernie's to lose? And a fascinating side note is nobody on that stage uh, prefers the people that are voting 
to make the ultimate decision if this goes to a brokered convention. Yeah, the problem is, yeah, Elizabeth Warren was brilliant as the prosecutor going after, but whoever does that role, like Kamala Harris did against Biden or Christie did against uh, Rubio, they never seem to last. That doesn't get you to the top, so that's a problem for her. Buttigieg, I don't know, he looks, uh, what did Tucker Carlson say? He looks like a uh, corporate hologram from the AI department at Google. He likes, <laughs> oh my gosh. He's, he's like the world's worst TED Talk. Amy Klobuchar. Uh, By the way, I don't even know if everybody knows what TED Talk is, but I mean, <laughs> you're, that's such a great way to put it. I mean, it's so funny. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, like the soccer mom, but I don't know if that's what we're looking for here. Uh, Bernie, he's got one thing going for him. He's the only authentic uh, guy on the stage. I mean, what he is is terrible, but at least it's authentic. Does Bernie, uh, to me, it's Bernie's to lose. I mean, he's got a pretty healthy lead in Nevada, and uh, I got to imagine he'll be very competitive in South Carolina. South Carolina seems to be the firewall for Joe Biden at this point, uh, Jeffrey Lord. Yeah, absolutely. The, the real problem, and I think you're right about Bernie, I think he is on the cusp of pulling ahead for good if he wins a couple more primaries. The real problem they have there is there is this San Andreas fault running right through the middle of this party. If Bernie Sanders wins, there's going to be all kinds of people that say, that's it, I'm sitting on my hands. If somebody else wins, who is not Bernie Sanders, who's from the quote-unquote moderate wing, you're going to get that reaction in spades in reverse. They're going to see this as a moment to revolutionize the party, and the way they'll stop start is by defeating their own nominee. So they've got a real problem on their hands, and of course that makes Donald Trump the winner. Yeah, uh, he Go ahead, Mark. Can, you know the problem with Bloomberg. People say, "Well, in the next debate will be the next debate is a week or ten days away. You can't get that much better. It's impossible." And they'll just hit him with new things. He's got a pretty choppy record. There's some really bad stuff in his record as mayor of New York. They'll start hitting him with that. He screwed up the 911 system. He screwed up the payroll system. He was a disaster with education. You can go on and on with these things. Uh, now, you know Bloomberg. <laughs> um, I only met him like really one time. I went out. He, at his request, he invited me to lunch. I sat there and I said, you're the most boring. I'm thinking to myself, you're the most boring human being on earth. And I'm like... I, and I even met uh, uh, Governor Cuomo once. Yeah. At least he was interesting. All, all these, even Mayor De Blasio, now, who's the crazy left wing mayor. I mean, everybody... I kind of you know love debating him. He wouldn't answer a question, Mark. But I, I kind of, I kept saying, "Well, does, does every New Yorker have the right to protect themselves in their home? You got armed guards. Should they have the right? They have a right to be safe. <laughs> I didn't ask you that. Do they have a right to have a firearm in their apartment or their home? They have a right to be safe. It went on and on. I think he was a little intimidated by you. He was a little afraid there. That was uh, He was a little out of his league on that show. But uh, if you see him in real life, you could joke around with him. You have fun with him. You can't even picture doing that with Bloomberg. So is there another side of this guy, Bloomberg, that you know so well? Uh, yeah. It's not a good side. He's, <laughs> it's not a good side? Well, what do he, you mean? He's, by he's, the way, I guess the, Mark's ending his relationship today with Bloomberg. Go ahead. Might as well uh, end it. He's one of those guys, when he comes to do the show, everybody is instructed they're not allowed to talk to him, don't look at him. Oh, uh, come on. Oh, you know, he was always like that. Hey, we used to have him at our station. You know, uh, somebody- John Gambling would interview him every once a week, right? John could talk to him, but there was one guy who was instructed to go get him down at the car and bring him up in a private closed-off elevator so nobody oh, would good be. Grief. And even that guy was instructed not to talk to him. And not to talk to what? What he doesn't want to talk to the little people? No, he, and I've we seen, the people, and he <laughs> wants to be president. And he also it's a stupid thing for a politician because you want everybody talking to you. That's where you learn what what's on people's minds, what they're concerned about. Wow, but but how do you get to talk to him? And I guess because you're just Mark Simone, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he listen, talks to you. Uh, not well, listen. It's like when you had lunch. He never with talks him. to me. It's <laughs> it's like when you had lunch with he, him. It's it's. He like, didn't talk then either. But go ahead. It, it's like you're talking to a mummy. It's it's like, it's a struggle. It's not easy. He wouldn't oh, be the man. life of the party in a coma ward. I mean, he doesn't doesn't have <laughs> a know, personality. Sean, the best politicians have a self-deprecating sense of humor. They can laugh at themselves. You know Donald Trump. I do. He can laugh at himself. This apparently is not the truth, you know, possible with Mayor Bloomberg, and that's going to hurt him a lot. Listen, I agree with both of you on all of this in every way imaginable here. All right. Now, I'm watching the debate last night. They're all ganging up on him, but they're all radical socialists to one extent or another. Now, I know Bloomberg's trying to portray himself as a little bit more moderate, but that really isn't true either. Um, He was never the Republican that people claimed. I mean, the real story about him running as a Republican was simple. He he wanted to avoid what was a crowded Democratic primary and go up against a weak Democrat and say, I'm just going to do what Rudy Giuliani did. And that's why this whole, you know, these comments are so revealing about his thoughts behind. It's not even the policy, but his thoughts behind stop and frisk. And he got called out on that. All right. Quick break. Mark Simone, uh, Jeff Lord. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we got a lot coming up here today. Uh, we'll check in with uh, David Schoen on the sentencing of uh, Roger Stone. If anything cries out for a new trial and an injustice, it's this case with the jury four-person tainted, as we now know. All right, wrapping things up, Jeff Lord and uh, Mark Simone. Um, I'm not sure... Bloomberg will get the message that this isn't going to work. Now, nobody's vetted his opinions on guns, the Second Amendment, the nanny state, uh, extreme environmental measures that he would take. Uh, how how does that play in the rest of the country, Jeffrey Lord? Yeah, not well, not well. I mean, I can tell you right here in the middle of Pennsylvania, somebody like Michael Bloomberg is going to be anathema. I mean, here he is, and I think in the last 24, 48 hours, talking about getting rid of coal. You want to win Pennsylvania and say you were going to get rid of coal and you're going to get rid of fracking. We're about 320,000 jobs in fracking depend on this. Sean, I was just at an event in Perry County, which is rural America here. They On Sunday, good Lord, the place was packed for Donald Trump in the middle of the day on a Sunday, uh, a year ahead of the election. I mean, the enthusiasm for the president is intense here. And when you bring in somebody like that who looks down on these people, the whole bit that you've been doing the last several days about Farmer Mike, good Lord. Let me bring I mean, in farming territory. <laughs> Let's give the final 25 seconds here to Mark Simone. Well, the reason you get all those bad comments like the farmer, all that stuff, he's speaking at Oxford. He's speaking at the far left elitist Aspen Institute. You know, Reagan learned this stuff speaking at state fairs, at, uh, at NASCAR. Clinton learned it speaking at 7-Elevens in Arkansas. Bloomberg has never been exposed to Don't any of these Don't look people. at me. Don't talk to me. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. 800-941-SEAN. Mark Simone, Jeffrey Lord is our number. When we come back, uh, 40 months sentencing Roger Stone, but this case screams for a new trial, now knowing that the jury of four-person had a strong prejudice against Stone and had spoken out prior to the case. That and more as we continue. Here with James Comey, his new book, A Higher Loyalty, is out today. This is his first live interview uh, since the book's been released, and thank you for coming back. Folks, uh, of all the people to be fired by Donald Trump, my guest tonight is definitely one of them. His new book is A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership. Please welcome former FBI Director James Comey. First guest tonight is the former deputy director of the FBI who was fired after launching investigations 
into President Trump's ties to Russia. His new book is The Threat. Please welcome former Deputy Director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe. Uh, let's bring in James Baker, former general counsel for the FBI. Let me bring in now on set John Brennan. He served as CIA director under President Obama and acting director of the National Counterterrorism Center under President George W. Bush. He is now an MSNBC senior national security and intelligence analyst. Let's bring in former deputy FBI director Andrew McCabe, now CNN contributor. Good to see you. Good to be here. Joining us now is James Clapper. He served as the director of national intelligence for seven years under President Obama and is now a CNN national security analyst. Dr. Uh, director Clapper, it is so Good to have you here. FBI agents descended on Paul Manafort's Alexandria, Virginia apartment in an unannounced pre-dawn raid. The president's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, just sentenced to 47 months. That is one month shy of four years for running a global scheme. Judge has sentenced former Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos to 14 days in prison. Papadopoulos was convicted of lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russians. Prosecutors wanted to sentence him six months. Paul Manafort, guilty, convicted on eight counts. Exclusive footage you're looking at right now from CNN as the FBI arrives at Roger Stone's residence in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, taking him into custody. Tonight, Roger Stone is a convicted felon. A jury found him guilty on all seven counts, including witness tampering and making false statements to Congress. All right, there you have it. Uh, when are we going to prosecute, let's see, Comey and Clinton and McCabe? Oh, yeah, lacking candor. That would be lying. I mean, the double standard. Now, I do think and I do believe that the attorney general and John Durham are going to get to the bottom of all of it. I do believe that we have no choice but to believe that. But if this I mean, you look at this stone convicted on five counts of false statements, 40 months in jail for that one obstruction of an official proceeding, one count of witness tampering. And even the witness that was supposedly tampered with uh, said, oh, don't put him in jail over this. It was Roger being Roger. You know, he's a bit of a blowhard, but this is ridiculous. If ever a case screamed out uh, that we need a new trial, this would be it. I mean, the, the I'm, I'm listening to the, 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 the judge in the case. Mr. Stone lied. OK, what about McCabe lied? What about Comey's lies? What about all the other lies? Hillary Clinton's lies and so many others. Anyway, so it's, you know, she said is he injected himself smack into a political controversy and was not being persecuted. Well, I'm not sure exactly this is equal justice under the law. Now, why does this case call out for a new trial? For a lot of different reasons. We now know that the jury four person in this case, the woman that is the former president of the Memphis City Council School Board of Commissioners, unsuccessful Democratic candidate for Congress, has now identified herself as the forewoman in a, of the jury in the Facebook post, pains me to now see that the DOJ would now interfere with the hard work of the prosecutors. Nine years? Nine years for lying? Well, the average stay in jail, median time in jail, if you're guilty of rape, is 4.2 years. I mean, that's how you want to talk about disparate sentencing, harsh sentencing. But here's what we've learned. We learned that the jury four-person... Now that she disclosed herself publicly, had apparently has now posted. We found out we've gone back and looked at some of her past posts and she posted specifically has been reported everywhere about the Stone case before she was ever selected to sit on the jury, retweeting an argument, mocking those who considered Stone's dramatic arrest 
in a pre-dawn raid by a federal tactical team. By the way, 29 tactical agents. It doesn't have a gun. All they had to do is say to Stone's lawyer, can you please report at 8 a.m. at this location? Otherwise, we will come and get you. There was no need for that. And, oh, CNN cameras showed up at, at, at the arrest. They had frogmen in the back of his home for lying. That's what this is. Anyway, in January of 2019, the jury foreperson in this particular case, her name is out there, Tamika Hart is her name, retweeting a post by a, a pundit who noted, Roger Stone has y'all talking about reviewing the use of force guidelines before suggesting that racism was the reason for all the attention Stone's arrest had received from conservatives. Uh, okay, uh, she's commenting on a case. Did she tell the court that she had done this ahead of time. Now, she had an unsuccessful run for Congress as a Democrat in 2012. Uh, also quoted someone in an August 2017 tweet referring to Trump as a member of the KKK. So she has a clear political bias. She, in August of 2019, called all Trump supporters all racist. Gotta love it, she wrote in January of 2018 in response to news that a Vulgarity had been projected onto the Trump International Hotel in Washington. Week later, she shared her an opinion piece entitled What's So Extremely Uniquely Wrong About Trump's Presidency? But the fact that she, you know, was selected to sit on this jury and then become the foreperson of this jury in this case uh, is is it just screams of an injustice. It screams for a new trial. Now, ultimately, I don't you know what the president decides to do. He's been pretty outspoken about the double standard here. And the president even, you know, raising the point in a a tweet earlier today. They say Roger Stone lied to Congress. Oh, I see. But so did Comey. And he also leaked classified information for which almost everyone other than crooked Hillary Clinton goes to jail for a long time. And so did Andy McCabe, who also lied to the FBI. Fairness? Question mark. David Schoen, civil liberties attorney, and by the way, apparently uh, you have uh, a specific announcement, I guess, on Roger Stone's sentencing. You have talked to Roger Stone, correct? Sure, and I uh, was at the sentencing today. I sat through the entire thing. Okay, tell us what went on in the courtroom and why this, I'm sure you agree with me, this screams for uh, this verdict to be thrown out. No question about it, but let me address a couple of things you said very specifically. One of the things about the juror's tweet to me is two and a half weeks before the jury's jurors were prospective jurors were all called in to fill out questionnaires. She tweeted the rally in Charlottesville and asked, is MAGA you know, going to condemn this? That sort of thing. Clear political message. But she answered a jury questionnaire with questions about that sort of thing two and a half weeks later. Why wasn't that disclosed? Why wasn't it disclosed in voir dire? Listen, the judge today, which I thought was shocking, made a point to say, oh, this jury served with great integrity, and she said they asked thoughtful, a thoughtful question. She has a juror misconduct issue before her right now. How on earth is she making that kind of comment? Um, you, but on the double standard, how about this for an irony? There were two Well, let me ask you this. If this jury foreperson, in fact, did not disclose this political bias about this particular individual, which she's going to sit on a jury about, uh, doesn't that that should almost be an automatic, you know, new trial being granted, shouldn't it? Should it, it, it not? It, it, if there's it fairness. Be, there, there, 
It should be, and there are a lot of aspects to it. There's disregarding the instructions, disobeying the instructions, not being candid, deceiving. These are all issues that have to be completely investigated. There's the extraneous influence question. She was posting on social media. Were there responses? Was she interacting? Did she discuss it with other jurors? All of these things, the posts, by the way, are no longer there on Facebook that they're linked to. All of these things have to be recovered. There must be a full investigation. There should be jury interviews in this case. What I wanted to tell you is, you talked about the double standard. There were two prosecutors at the table today. One of them, Mr. Cooney, is the lawyer who just wrote to Mr. McCabe that he won't be prosecuted. Um, the, The double standard is just incredible. And specifically what the judge said, which is what you alluded to, she told Mr. Stone he wasn't prosecuted just for trying to be a political activist and support the president. He was prosecuted for covering up for the president, she said. She said Roger Stone inserted himself in a, a pressing issue of the day. Did Assange, Assange have emails on Hillary Clinton, so-called opposition research? What are we talking about? What we know is Democratic DNC funded opposition research opposition research false opposition research led to the fisa war all of this stuff talk about double standards tell us the process though how do you get this out of this particular judge's courtroom based on what i see is a particular bias that went on here now i never liked the fact how i thought we had a first amendment right but uh roger stone was denied even an opportunity to send out a tweet pleading his case Oh, she said that today. She said, oh, people in the media say I silenced you. I didn't silence you. This was the most draconian, prohibitive gag order I've ever seen. This was okay, so how, how did we get this ultimately out of this judge's courtroom, and what is the process for appeal? Now, are you officially on Roger Stone's defense team, or are you just helping out on the side? Just following the case very closely at this point. Um, but, but you've what, spoken uh, with him personally? Yes, I have. Okay, and what... Ago. All right, so now he's out, I guess, now that he's been sentenced, uh, he has how much time to file this appeal? Where will he file that appeal? Well, the juror misconduct issue is pending before the judge, and she may well have a hearing about that next week. Let me be clear. I'm not speaking for Roger Stone, and I don't want to say Roger Stone. No, that's fair, but I mean, so we're going back to the same judge that clearly doesn't like Roger Stone. How do you get it out of that courtroom? Well, there's a question. Were her comments today, did they go too far when she already made a finding? This jury acted with complete integrity and asked thoughtful questions. She has a juror misconduct issue before her. But you know, Okay, you if she doesn't ago. want to deal with that issue specifically. Now, I think we've got to get, uh, they have these jury questionnaires. I think it would be critical to Stone's defense. Uh, I would assume this is almost considered Brady material-like. And they would have a right to know what was in there and... For example, did the defense uh, not knowing this, they certainly would have rejected any person that had such a bias. Uh, But now that the judge knows that this individual is biased specifically against Roger Stone, it seems to me that this ought to be a slam dunk retrial. Boom. End of sentence. Well, you're right. Not only Roger Stone's team does have access to the questionnaire, but you should have access to it. This is a matter of great public interest. The judge has sealed all the proceedings. They shouldn't be sealed any longer. The juror's name is out there. She's tweeted publicly. And by the way, this is the same judge, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure, in the Manafort case, right? Correct. And that's another question. The same judge that unsealed my private text messages, that judge? That's right. Why does this judge have so many of these cases? Why are they considered related cases? They don't seem to follow the related case rule and all of that. But the question is, uh, the public deserves to know all of these facts. This is a public proceeding. 
the integrity of the system depends on honest jurors, jurors not being affected by extraneous. All right. I want to know the process we're going to go through next or what options Roger Stone has and what time period he has to work this through. And it's my strong opinion that the forewoman of the jury, the woman who was in charge of the jury, is totally tainted. When you take a look, how can you have a person like this? She was a anti-Trump activist. Can you imagine this? Now, I don't know if this is a fact, but she had a horrible social media account. The things she said on the account were unbelievable. She didn't reveal that when she was chosen. All right, as we continue, uh, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. At the top of the hour, uh, the just decimated Michael Bloomberg yesterday. Uh, The issue of race, redlining, his comments, a big part of the debate last night. We'll get full reaction. And Kaylee McEnany and your calls coming up. All right, David showed in the two minutes we have, what is the process by which Roger Stone will get the new trial he certainly deserves? Here's the process. They have a juror misconduct motion pending. The judge has seen all of that. The defense asked for it to be sealed in an abundance of caution, but now there's no reason for it to be sealed. The juror's name is out there. It's a matter of great public interest. That motion uh, will be decided on next week, I believe. I believe she's going to have a hearing next week. I think it's a foregone conclusion, though, based on her comments today, which I thought were totally inappropriate, characterizing the jury as having acted with great integrity. All right, well, let's assume this judge is not going to grant that request. Where do they go next? She denies it, then their only uh, avenue is to appeal the entire decision at that point. And that's an issue for the appeal. So that's going to, you know, that process takes a while. She ordered him today to surrender not earlier than two weeks after she decides that motion, but he has to get designated to a facility. He got a 40-month sentence in this case when other people are going scot-free without being prosecuted. And she, this, her talk today, despite what she, her disclaimers, was so political. She kept mentioning, oh, it was a Republican majority in the committee. And people say, you know, this is political. Well, it's not. And then the entire talk, most of the talk was political, political, political. By the way, the prosecutor... Do you think this judge in particular, based on you sitting in that courtroom, has a political bias? Yes, I do. She's a smart person. She knows how to make her record, but she clearly is offended by Republican politics, in my opinion. That's what I got out of her talk today. She kept mentioning, well, right. listen, Devin Nunes is the one who referred this thing, and uh, he was the head of the committee, and so on. It's Republicans, right. Republicans. David Schoen, thanks for sharing all your insight in the courtroom with Roger Stone today. When we come back, a disaster, Bloomberg hammered by his fellow Democrats with no response. Uh, We'll talk about that when we get back and much more. We'll get to your phone calls. News Roundup Information Overload Hour is next as we continue. Stay right here for our final News Roundup and Information Overload in the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, Uh, well, Bloomberg got hit and hit hard as it relates to the issue of stop and frisk and race last night. Uh, And by the way, rightly so. I mean, the the farmer issue, I guess, was not even as big a deal as it could be. But to me, it should have should be, you know, murderers and murder victims. They fit one M.O. You just take the description, you Xerox it, you pass it out to all cops. They are male minorities, 16 to 25. One description, one M.O., one, only one. Take that Xerox it. Every cop can get it. And he goes on to say, well, you know, people say, well, you, you, we're going to take these young minorities and throw them, so cops throw them up against the wall. 
And people say, my gosh, well, you're, you're arresting kids for marijuana and they're all minorities. He says, yeah, all true. That's all true. Why? Because we put all, not some, all cops in minority neighborhoods. Why? Because that's where all the crime is. I mean, and then this phony, you know, apology about a, a policy that he implemented and kept in place for 12 years. 12 years. Stop and frisk. And it's not even about the policy to me, because I would argue socioeconomics play the bigger part in, you know, areas where there might be a higher concentration of crime and putting more police resources, limited resources in in the areas where there is a greater need makes sense. But not all because I live in New York and I can tell you right now that is a lie. I I mean, it's just it's a spectacular lie on Bloomberg's part. And he got clobbered last night. And also the issue of of redlining was another big issue involving race. His his half-hearted apology. All that is is an election year conversion. Everybody sees this for what it is. Twelve years he supported the policy, defended the policy. Now we know what he was saying behind the scenes. And then five years de Blasio is the mayor. He never said a word about his policies. Not once. Then he decides to run for president. He says, oh. Uh, well, the Democratic Party, big part of the base is African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans and minorities. They may not like uh, the fact that I have this policy, so I'm going to act like I'm crying about it and change my opinion. And his answer was pathetic last night, like everything else Bloomberg did, an utter disaster. Daryl Parks is managing partner, Parks and Crump, former attorney for Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin's family. And Jack Brewer is a former American football safety Played professionally in the NFL for the Vikings, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, welcome both of you to the program. Daryl Parks, I think I know you pretty well. We've gotten to know each other. We're friends. I would even say we're friends. I hope you think the same. Um, I, I know I know where your heart is. I read this just one MO thing and Xerox it and pass it out and throw minority kids up against the wall and only arrest minority kids for marijuana because they only have cops in minority neighborhoods because that's where all the crime is. I would imagine that you don't like those comments very much because I certainly don't. Well, without question, I don't like them, Sean, but I do think we're in an election season. And I think that we shouldn't just be um, let one issue decide how we feel about any candidates. We, nobody ever agrees with any candidate fully on all of the issues, but I don't think this is an issue that should stop Mr. Bloomberg's candidacy. However, we all see that last night he didn't do well. And um, I think without question, it probably opened up a little bit more opportunity for Joe Biden to make his stake. And he did make his stake a little bit better last night. Uh, but Bloomberg obviously has some issues that he has to deal with. And it seems as if his team is starting to deal with those issues. Well, I tend to agree. Well, but I and, but I disagree. I think if Donald Trump had said this, Daryl Parks, you'd be all over him and much harder because, look, you you're, you lean more left than I do. Let's be honest. You're not going to vote for Donald Trump, right? Well, let me. Uh, my well, heart, no, 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 no. That's a simple though. question. You're not going to vote for Donald Trump. I know you well enough. <laughs> no, you, can, you can say it. But it's but fine. Listen. You're not going to vote for Trump, you know, are you? But, but, but let me say this. Wait, Wait a minute. You are you not going to? Well, no, you're not going to vote for Donald Trump, are you? <laughs> I think you got to allow me to answer, Sean. And I think you need to Donald answer Trump that simple question. That is a yes or no question. Would you consider voting for Trump well, this election year? You got to let me explain, though. You got to let me explain. I'll let you explain, but after you answer, you would never consider voting for Trump, would you? I would. I wouldn't say that. I would be open to that if he okay. made an argument that was something that appealed to me. I have Let an argument for you. How about this? All the presidents. 
that promised criminal justice reform because of disparate sentencing. They never got it done. Donald Trump did. Alice Marie Johnson. I'll never forget one of the most inspirational figures I've gotten to know. I consider her a friend. I love her. She's amazing. But Chuck, thank you, America. Thank you, Donald Trump. Thank you, America, for giving me a second chance. I won't let you down. Right, let's bring in Jack Brewer. Jack, your take on all this. I can no, I'd also say record low unemployment. We were shattering record low unemployment for every minority group in the country. African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. And Jack Brewer, African-American youth unemployment. That didn't happen under Biden, Obama. That happened under Trump. That's right. And I can tell you right now, I watched this, the entire debate last night. And I sat there and watched the author of the 1994 crime bill called the author of Stop and Frisk Racist. I've never seen a lower mo- moment for a Demo- for the Democratic Party. I, I grew up a Democrat, so I voted for Obama. I ran NFL players for Obama. I supported him, fundraised for him. But I got to call a spade a spade. It's not always about the personality. It's not always about the, 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 the words that come out of someone's mouth. It's more about the policies that they push. You see, Michael Bloomberg pushed the policies he believed in. And so we got to hold him accountable for that. And so I think to your point, Sean, if President Trump had been a Democrat, I think most Democrats across the board would be calling him the best president for black folks since Abe Lincoln. Look at the policies he's put in place. I mean, the fact that he came in and within three months of his presidency, he saved historical black colleges and universities around this country that were suffering. Some of them were about to go bankrupt. He saved them. That's what he did within the first three months of his presidency. He's done more for black. Well, let me ask you this, Jack Brewer. You see these records, record low unemployment for for specific demographic groups that remember the president ran on. Well, you can't do any worse. What have you got to lose? I've never seen. I, I mean, because every two and four years you see politicians uh, we always see the race card played and Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water and they want grandma and grandpa thrown over a cliff. That's pretty much the playbook. But right. now we have a president whose policies specifically working for minorities in America, part of our American family, as the president says in his rallies. And right. I'm I'm what now I'm looking at the support the president has Anywhere between 16 and 34 and a half percent in the last 10 polls with African-Americans. He only got 8 percent of the African-American vote in 2016. Does this translate into votes, including criminal justice reform? It already has started. And that's what the, the left doesn't want to admit to. Sean, if you look there at the black awakening going on in America right now, I am in a prison every week. I teach in prisons across this country. And I can tell you right now that those prisoners appreciate President Trump because he came and ended mass incarceration of blacks. And for someone black in America right now today to see all of these historic legislations being passed to help us, anybody that doesn't give President Trump credit for this is just being disingenuous. And Daryl Parks, I mean, I, I, I am happy. That, you know, after eight years where we added 13 million more Americans to food stamps, eight million more Americans in poverty after eight years of Biden, Obama, that now we have almost eight million new jobs created, eight million fewer people on food stamps. And we have the best, best, the lowest unemployment that we've had in 50 years. And we're shattering record after record for every demographic in this country. How great is that? 
Sean, let, let me just, I, I have to say this. Come on, right? how, that's easy. How all, great is that? We got eight years of no, Biden, it's Obama. It's not great when he's it's not great. expenses. Ay, ay, it's ay, not ay, great. Ay, ay. Sean, last year alone, he, President Trump suggested that we cut the educational budget by $8.5 billion. So what he's saying is not about the amount of money you spend, it's how you spend it. So if you're putting money into but, an educational system that is wasting money with all these teachers' union and overpaying schools that don't work, it's about how you spend the money, not how much money but you he's spend. He's suggesting that we cut Pell Grants. He's suggesting we cut no, NLG Grants. But, but, look at, but look at the way that... But he's, he's opening doing, opportunity he's zones. He's not saying that. Pell Grants. He's saying the way that you put... Who you give Pell Grants to needs to be reformed, just like who you give welfare to has been reformed. A lot of these cuts are not saying take it away from the people that need it. It's, it's taking out the corruption and the waste. But, but here's, here's the problem. The, the key for, for, for blacks to advance in this country is educational, bar none. So 100%. if we're going to talk about how we spend money, education is where we should spend money. And that's what he's doing. He's saving thing, the man. colleges that need it. If he's, he's pushing into the school. What that college he, did he save? He's going to the black you go into the black community and you see these public schools that are broken. Why, the reason why he's pushing for, for more charter schools and school choice is because those schools are ran for less money. They don't spend as much money. So, so to put tags in the, in the start referencing when people make cuts without diving deep into the policy is just not fair. All right. Stay right there. We'll come back more with Daryl Parks, Jack Brewer. Uh, when we get back on the other side, we'll check in with Kaylee McEnany at the bottom of the half hour. We'll get to your calls uh, also in the next half hour. All right. As we continue, Daryl Parks is uh, with us. Jack Brewer's with us. Uh, all right, Jack, I want to go. Well, I want to go to Daryl first. So, Daryl, you have all these statistics I'm giving you. You got record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, African-American youth unemployment, and 8 million new jobs. We have 8 million fewer people on food stamps. You have criminal justice reform. You have opportunity zones. And I can't get you to say a single thing that's pretty nice about Donald Trump and, and how his policies are working for all Americans. And nor do I hear you even really remotely critical of uh, farmer Mike, mini Mike Bloomberg, and his comments on race. And I'm a little shocked. Well, you know what, Sean? I, I think I'm like every other American right now. I want to hear plans from each candidate to talk about things that affect the people that I care about. And so to the extent that even our current president, President Trump, I'm open to hearing what his plan would be. For example, uh, when you take um, African-American males 20 to 24, they still have an issue with employment issues. So what are we going to do to address the issue with black males in that age group to give them better opportunity? So to the extent our president has an idea about dealing with that, I'm open to that. I'm open to whatever he plans to do to help historically black colleges in the future. By the way, he, I think it's he's done. He's done hold on. Forward, he's already done he that, too. Before. He's helping historically black colleges. In a big way, bailed them out big time. Jack Brewer. 100%. I mean, almost everything you just mentioned, Donald Trump is putting real policies in place for this. So a lot of people in the past have talked about these same things. I wrote an article uh, for Fox News a, a couple months ago, and I said Donald Trump is passing the policies that Democrats have talked about for decades. I mean, so, I, again, I was raised a Democrat, Sean, but I got to keep it 100. And the problem, the problem is is that blacks have a fear of being real when it comes to a Republican. A lot of blacks feel that they can't compliment a Republican just because they're a Republican. And I think that is, is, is not right. I think at some point we got to be real with ourselves if we really care about 
Are people in All right, really so my question is this. Now that the president's delivering, you know, it's a little different. He gets to run on a different slogan this time. Uh, what have you got to lose versus, and, and by the way, you can make a comparison with, you know, big cities, liberal cities run by Democrats for decades. And, and, and what have they done for the minority community? Not much from what I can see. Baltimore has 13 Sean, public high schools, a not a single Sean. kid proficient in math or reading. And look, the murders are still going on in Chicago. So the question is, with this dramatic increase in support for the president with African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Jack Brewer, does that translate into votes in 257 yes. days? Yes, it will, because I think there's a lot of African-Americans right now that are in the community. First off, Sean, a lot of people can talk about it. Right. But there are some African-Americans like myself who work tirelessly in the community. And there's no way that we can deny this. I'm more comfortable today talking about President Trump than when I voted for him in 2016. And I am a lot. A lot of my friends feel the same way because he's given us what we need to deliver and to actually go out and talk about. You see, no other Republican president has ever even gone into the black community, Sean. When President Trump sent me a tweet and said, thank you for your comments about my black agenda, I've never heard not even a Democratic president come out and, and openly say, I have a black agenda, agenda for black Americans, Sean, that speaks volume and people will come to the polls. I am just, you know, Daryl, at some point it's about, listen, the president ends his rallies. We're one glorious nation under God. We're one united American family. And now he's put America first. He's getting jobs for, you know, manufacturing jobs that were never going to come back uh, are coming back. He's getting all the trade deals done. He's building the wall, as he promised. He's he cut taxes, ended bureaucracy, fulfilled his promise on judges. Uh, you know, you got to give the guy I, you can't you, I, you. It's like pulling teeth to get you to say one nice thing about all that he's done. So, I don't Sean, hear you saying why don't you just say it? Donald Trump's done a good job. No, but you can't talk to me, Sean. Let me talk. So before Donald Trump became president of the United States, I was a customer of Donald Trump's, okay, at many of his wonderful hotels. So I don't have anything against him. And so, but I think he can do a lot to help the African-American community, and that does help us welcome if he chooses to do so. All right. I got to thank you both. Daryl, I still love you, Daryl. I'm working on You're a work in progress. This is like a life's mission now. Because I wanted to say more. (laughs) All right. Jack Brewer, thank you. Uh, Appreciate you being with us. Uh, when we come back, your telephone calls straight ahead, and we'll get an update from Kaylee McEnany with the president uh, in Phoenix and tonight in Colorado Springs straight ahead. Uh, Mr. Bloomberg had policies in New York City of stop and frisk, which went after African-American and Latino people in an outrageous way. That is not a way you're going to grow voter turnout. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. (laughs) Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support who 
whoever the Democratic nominee is. But understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. Uh, you know, I have been told as a woman, as someone that maybe no one thought was still going to be standing up on this stage, but I am because of pure, pure grit and because of the people out there. I've been told many times to wait my turn and to step aside. And I'm not going to do that now. And I'm not going to do that because a campaign memo uh, from Mayor Bloomberg said this morning uh, that the only way uh, that we get a nominee is if we step aside for him. I think we need something different than Donald Trump. I don't think you look at Donald Trump and say we need someone richer in the White House. The mayor says that he has a great record, that he's done these wonderful things. Well, the fact of the the matter is he has not managed his city very, very well when he was there. He didn't get a whole lot done. He had to stop and frisk, throwing close to five million young black men up against the wall. And when we came along in our administration, President Obama, and said we're going to send in a moderator to a mediator to stop it, he said that's unnecessary. So we're going to get a chance to talk about the mayor's record. But in terms of who is best prepared to beat Donald Trump, look at your poll and what it says. Mayor Buttigieg, you'd like to weigh in. Yes, we've got to wake up as a party. We could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. And most Americans don't see where they fit if they've got to choose between a socialist who thinks that capitalism is the root of all evil and a billionaire who thinks that money ought to be the the root of all power. Walmart, we have to subsidize Walmart's workers who are on Medicaid and food stamps because the wealthiest family in America pays starvation wages. That's socialism for the rich. I believe in democratic socialism for working people, not billionaires. Health care for all, educational opportunity for all. socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House One. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House Two. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax which tax haven New do you York, have your home? New York City, thank you very much. No, and I pay all my home. taxes. And I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. At 24 now till the top of the hour. The good news is, and I mean this sincerely, it's only going to get more harsh. It's only going to get more insane. If you think this this shift show is just ending here, no, no. Wait till South Carolina. Wait till the lead up to Super Tuesday. Next two weeks are going to be epic. Uh, wow. What an epic fail. Bloomberg even admitting Trump was the big winner of last night's debate. You have more liberal pundits, I mean, just pounding Bloomberg and, frankly, everybody else. Uh, A monumental failure, according to Politico, as it relates to Bloomberg. Daily Beast, Bloomberg got his ass kicked. Van Jones comparing the debate performance of Bloomberg to the Titanic. And, you know, Chris Matthews says, like, Bloomberg was like a prize fighter who couldn't stop bleeding and had no cut man. I mean, that's just the nicer things that are said. And meanwhile, you know, you look at where the president was last night. Huge rally in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, More good news today that in terms of the country being headed in the right direction, the American people's confidence in the nation is headed 
in the right direction. Rasmussen now finding 46% of the public believes we're headed in the right direction for jumping four points from last week. That's only one small part of it. Chris Matthews even predicting the possibility of a 49-state Trump landslide. Don't believe that. Uh, always act as if you're down. We have uh, 64% of small business owners approving the way Donald Trump is handling his job as as president. Uh, not bad numbers for Donald Trump in any way. Uh, you saw what happened with this veteran being carried to a seat last night. That was pretty heartwarming. Uh, the president sticking up for farmers. That was pretty amazing. Uh, Real clear politics average the president's highest number since his inauguration. Uh, and uh, and and the president, again, offering farmers water uh, for her take. We have National uh, Press Secretary for the Trump 2020 campaign. Kaylee McEnany is with us. Uh, well, you were at the rally, I assume, right, last night? Oh, I was. And it was something to behold, Sean. While the Democrats were having their full-scale meltdown over at the debate, uh, we had 21,000 people waiting outside in Phoenix, Arizona. 21,000. And, Sean, the biggest takeaway last night, it's striking, and we see this at a lot of rallies, but particularly last night, 26% of those who registered did not vote in 2016. A quarter of the people attending, registering, did not vote in 2016. It's a huge deal. Something's happening, and the left just doesn't see it coming. Well, I, I, I see all of that, but I'm Irish. I can't help it. I always think the next bomb's about to be dropped on our head about something. Um, I, I watch all of this, and I see the chaos. And here's the one reality that we've got to always remember, Kaylee, and that is that if you're a Republican and you want to win the presidency, just to win, you have to thread a needle, and that's North Carolina, Florida, Ohio. Then you got to pick off Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Maybe Minnesota's in play this time. It was pretty close last time. Then I would say Arizona must win. Uh, Nevada certainly could be in play, I think, this time. Uh, I believe New Mexico could be in play. I believe uh, New Hampshire could be in play. And maybe maybe I'm missing a few. Yeah, exactly. Those are all in play. Look, we've been to Minnesota. We've been to New Hampshire. We've been to New Mexico. Our data takes us there uh, because we know that the one of Sean, just on anecdotally, the kind of stories you hear, a woman who shows up and says, you know, my son was shut out of manufacturing, but now at 22, he's got a manufacturing job, and not only that, he's bought a home. Uh, the fact that, you know, I was in Battle Creek, Michigan, a state, of course, uh, no Republican had won since the 1980s, but Trump did, and I had a young uh, black man come up to me and say, look, I'm here because of the president, and I said, yeah, aren't we all here because of the president? And he said, no, I'm here because of the president. I had a nonviolent offense. Uh, because of the first step back, I get to be home with my family, and that's thanks to President Trump. And he had tears in his eyes, and he's a Trump voter today. Something's happening under the surface. You're right. The left will try everything they can to take down this president. They will pull out all the stops. Uh, they'll try to cheat. They will do whatever they can, but they can't change the reality that's going on on the ground that I see every day. I'm seeing it here. And the most the amazing rally. thing is with this, you want to see what statism is. Look at the Democrats on that stage. The only one that said, all right, at the end of this process, after the people vote, they all want to keep a system which would allow the Democratic hierarchy to perhaps overturn the will of the people, which I believe Bernie was cheated out of 2016. Donna Brazil believed it, too. Um, I think it tells everything you need to know about what status are. I mean, and we're not even talking about. Oh, the new Green Deal or stacking the courts or getting rid of the Electoral College or 
or adding, uh, you know, D.C. statehood or or any of them and everybody running on raising taxes and even running on the idea that we'll have less jobs because we're going to save the environment, which is insane. Uh, Open borders, Medicare for all. uh, Every single thing that they would do would be a disaster. So and they're all there's only, you know, basic nuance differences between the rest of them, between all of them. Right, right. Nuances. You know, they all want to eliminate uh, private insurance, you know, with the public option that Biden wants or outright like Bernie. But what you've got, Sean, you hit on that key point about stealing the election from Bernie. You've got this crazy lunatic socialist named Bernie Sanders. Uh, everyone wants to stop him. So they're trying to steal it. They deprived him of his victory night in Iowa. Uh, conveniently, Pete Buttigieg, for some reason, knew the results before everyone else, declared himself the victor. He had conveniently invested thousands uh, into this company that created the app. That aside, you also have the Politico story that the DNC is thinking of bringing superdelegates back on the first ballot to stop Bernie. They're trying to steal this. They don't care about your vote. They rigged it in 2016. They're rigging it again now. The facts all suggest that. Uh, and everyone needs to open their eyes and see that that's what the Democrat Party is all about. All right, Kaylee McEnany, National Press Secretary, Trump 2020, the re-elect campaign uh, from Phoenix, Arizona. And tonight, by the way, a rally in Colorado Springs. Kaylee, thank you for being with us. Thanks so much, Sean. All right, 800-941-SEAN, our number, Doug in California. Doug, hey, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, uh, out of all of the debate yesterday, nobody mentioned the emoluments clause. Uh, They uh, talk about Trump and his hotels and his uh, casinos or uh, his golf courses. But uh, nobody brought up uh, Bloomberg's media empire. What's he going to do with that? The most fascinating underreported part of this is Bloomberg News. So they can go after Trump, but they're not allowed to talk about Bloomberg. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. And I I would assume that there's nobody that gets a check from Bloomberg that's going to want to vet Bloomberg the way Bloomberg would need to be vetted. So it's kind of a joke. I don't know what happens under those circumstances. I Look, for my... I think there's a way, you know, one of the one of the more amazing things, it, it was like Romney. He couldn't answer why he's successful or that. I, I mean, it's such a perfect answer. I never got in all the jobs I've had starting as a paper boy and, and dishwasher and cook and busboy, waiter, bartender, contractor, painting, hanging paper, laying tile, framing, roofing, all this stuff. 20 years of my life. I never got a job from a poor person. And the idea uh, that well, I give the money away, it's like he's apologetic about being successful. And there is a hatred among the left in this country. They, they want to be able to confiscate wealth. Why? Because they want to take that wealth and they want to buy political power with it. So they'll go after the 1%, the 5%, the 10%. In the end, they end up going after everybody. So they can stay in power, and the way they create power is to create dependency, which is what the modern Democratic Extreme Socialist Party is all about. Anyway, Doug, thank you. Appreciate it. Back to our busy phones as we say hi to uh, Christine in Tennessee. Christine, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. Yeah, I I called to talk about uh, the the comments that Michael Bloomberg made about uh, Hispanic and black males. And uh, my husband is a... um, uh, Cuban-American, uh, first generation. Both of his parents came over from Cuba legally. Uh, his father was a janitor, grew up in Washington Heights. And he was a smart kid. He worked hard. He struggled. And um, he ended up going uh, to, to medical school. And um, he, uh, his mother tried to help him out with medical school. And, they, you know, they were struggling. They, they lived in an apartment their entire lives. 
And, um, you know, when she tried to give him some money, he said, Mom, you take that money, put it towards your retirement. This is the only country in the world where I would have the opportunity to dream this big. And uh, he's a neurosurgeon today. And he, he did his time in the Army, and um, he's thrilled uh, to have served, uh, to do a small part, and um, couldn't be more proud. And we were eating dinner the other night, and I said to him, um, I told him what Bloomberg said about black and Hispanic males, and um, I said, well, maybe we should send him um, your CV and Dr. Ben Carson's CV to re-educate him on, on the potential for poor uh, minorities in this country. Let me tell you um, something. This, this is quintessentially, it is so offensive and it's so arrogant. It's like the comments about farmers. I, I'm never going to get over it. It's like well, quid and pro and quo I can't farmers. get over it. Yeah, I, I cannot. It's, oh, I could teach oh, I could teach anybody to farm. You dig a hole, you drop a seed in, you put dirt on it, you water it. Up comes your corn. I'm like, oh, wow. I am. I, that to me is so breathtakingly out of touch and ignorant. It's he's it's ignorance. You know, the thing about Bloomberg is he does believe he can just pay, okay, how much do you want? He thinks he can buy everything. He really does. He thinks that in, and you can't buy charisma and you can't buy policy that works and you can't buy a personality because if he could, I'm sure he would have bought one by now. And, and he hasn't. So, all right, that's going to wrap things up for today. We have the single best Hannity tonight with the best montages in all the television and the news you won't get anywhere else. Look at this lineup. Don Jr., uh, Judge Pirro, uh, Cornell West, Dan Bongino, and Geraldo all debating. Matt Gates, Reince Priebus, Jesse Waters, Sarah and Greg all coming up. Uh, all, the, all the highlights of this shift show. I mean, and it was bad. And why Roger Stone deserves a new trial. What a grave injustice. We'll have all of that. 9 Eastern tonight. Set your DVR on Hannity. We'll see you at 9. We'll be back here tomorrow. And as always, you make this show possible. Thank you for being with us.